Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent Dollar Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined in the studio, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Will, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, Six Nations around the corner, end of the Champions Cup pool stage. It's kind of a, a bit of a down week. No rugby this weekend for the first weekend in a long, long time since the summer. Since It's it's not a good time. It's not a good time for me. No, it's uh, withdrawal symptom stuff. It's uh, Yeah, it's going to be tough. I don't know. What, like, what will you do at your weekend, will you? Don't know. Uh, how will you fill the void? Uh, you know, National League starts back and getting. Oh, Kerry, Kerry and Dublin, Kerry and Dublin yeah. Saturday night. So that's ah, not too bad. It could yeah. be worse. Um, but we'll focus on all things rugby for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we're going to start with probably the biggest scandal, but probably of the, of the professional era. Is it the Saracens? Like Saracens have now been relegated to to Absolutely the championship. Absolutely crazy. It is bonkers it is stuff. Crazy, yeah. Like when it first came out, and they were hit with the fine and, and the. And the uh, points reduction, you know, there'd always been kind of little kind of rumors about that they were maybe you know flirting with the cap. So what? Maybe it was a, it was surprising, but you know they were still going to stay up. You know, before yeah. this relatedest judgment, they were maybe going to miss out in the playoffs, but they were probably still going to even qualify for the Champions Cup. So you know, we thought maybe that was that, but now Jesus Christ, it's an, it's an episode of Dream Team now. Well, do you know what I just don't understand? So like, it seems to me like there'd be it'd be almost impossible to come like to. Uh, I suppose reduce the salary salary cap to within the threshold that they're supposed to be within, without incurring massive possible you know um, you know litigation from current players mm. who say you know you cut a contract short that you had agreed to you know moving families um, all that kind of stuff. Now I'm sure they might have weighed this up versus um, you know getting relegated and the implications of that because. I mean, the the financial loss of having to go down to the championship, um, they will have to actually get this cap thing sorted out in the end anyway. Um, I mean, that sounds like it's far more far-reaching than, say, having to deal with all this stuff in the current year where you just get rid of a certain amount of players and move on. Yeah. Um, and you just deal with the with the kind of... Uh, uh, 
what's oh, I just want the word I'm looking for, but you deal with the the fallout. Sorry, excuse me from from that now, rather than having the situation where we're still above the cap apparently, and they're they're relegated. Relegated. I mean, I just seem, it seems like you take on a massive mental risk of players leaving. Um, you know, a year in your career is a, is a very big thing. Um, and a year in cha- of, of championship rugby for top class players, I don't know. I think they run the risk of really blowing out the club. Um, you know, because you know, what if ten or fifteen guys leave? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they probably would still get back up, but they're kind of starting in a position of kind of similar to like a Bristol Bears or something like that, where yeah, you, you have the finances. You'd have to if say the people it's, it's the end around. of an era. Like regardless of what happens, it's hard to see the squad. You know, one, they wouldn't be able to stay together because obviously they're over the cap, but even the, the core of the team, the, the English, kind of a lot of the homegrown core, you know, some of them probably will stay. Like, I could see, you know, an Owen Farrell staying for a year in the championship. You know, I remember when Juventus got relegated that time in football. A lot of those guys stayed around for a year. They got back up again, and they, and they rebuilt. Yeah, they're unbelievable, yeah. Yeah, yeah but yeah, they, did, yeah. they did lose a lot of their big names. Similarly, they lost a lot of big names in that case as well. Like, so it'll be... It'll be fascinating to see what happens. And in terms of European rugby as well, like Champions Cup, they'll be out of the Huge Champions loss. Cup a minimum two years. Mm. Um, oh, sorry. Oh, it's, there's actually, there's a ban on, is there is there a ban on European uh, rugby? No, but championship clubs can't come, even if they were to win the Champions Cup. They can't. Oh, no, they wouldn't oh, be able. Geez, I hadn't even considered yeah, that. They, I just assumed that would be a weird so they wouldn't situation be, nah, if they went on to win it. Yeah, because they wouldn't be able to compete. And I actually think there's some weekends where there's like championship matches and European matches. So like, so what happens if you get relegated and you win the, the sorry, just in a weird, so, uh, sorry, it's the exact same circumstance. Yeah, well, I guess but you if you actually play. were doing it fairly Seemingly within the salary the, cap. The, the, the European regulations, it's like, you know, the, the, the leagues that are signed up to this European competitions are like the Premiership Rugby Pro 14 and the Top 14. So like Pro D2 and Championship Rugby is excluded in effect because I guess... But you, it, it, the thing is though, like it's a cup campaign. Like like it's not that far-fetched. To say, like I know it's unusual, but say there was a team kind of competing, they were just above relegation... <laughs> Sorry, it's to not win the it's Champions not, Cup, yeah. Yeah, but like it could because you've got basically three, you know, you've got three games once you get through the, the pool stages. Yeah. It's not. It's not completely beyond the realms of possibility. No, I don't know. It's very unusual. Like, I, New, get Newcastle I get it. Newcastle got relegated last year. Like you know, they're not going to. They were never winning. You know what I mean? They were yeah, never yeah. Winning. No, sorry. Ne- we've never been. In a, we've yeah. never been in this situation before. But like, I'm just wondering. Is it? Yeah. Like it's kind it, of. It's very. It's an odd rule because I guess when when they when they do these things, they never foresee something like this happening. Of course, you know, absolutely. So. Sorry, it's completely but, un- unusual. So that they would be in the champ. So like they're, they're going to be in the championship next year. So they won't be in the European Cup. So they, they get promoted. They wouldn't be in the European Cup the following year either mm. because they wouldn't have qualified. So it's a, a minimum two seasons outside of yeah. of the European Cup. Um. And, and, you know, what What do you think it means for the Irish teams? Because obviously, like, you know, Leinster were beaten in the final last year. Munster, you know, lost in two semifinals and again in the pool stages this year's two years where every year Saracens would have been, I guess, outside the cap. And I know Leinster and Munster don't play by those rules. They're in a different league. I'm less stuff. concerned about the European implications, Will. Mm. I really am. I, I don't think they're... There's no like the you couldn't really complain about the situation that Irish players are in versus say the Saracens players, regardless of whether they have all these stars. And Sir Toulon had this unbelievable, and French teams have always had a bigger budget anyway. So, like the way we've decided to counteract that because we can't obviously compete market size and and money wise, is we look after the players better, and we've decided that's our model, and just that's the way it is. Like if you were going to try and compete, you might say, well, maybe we just disband Connacht, but we're never going to do that. Sorry, do you know what I mean? If you're yeah. trying to compete in, 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 like from a budget perspective, you might say, well, look, maybe we'll stop Connacht and we'll distribute those funds to the three provinces and try and compete with the big French clubs. 
but that's never been a problem for us because we've always we've decided our model and our model has worked extremely well for us for a very long time. Um, so I don't really think it, from a European perspective there's big complaints. But I think what there will be big complaints and I think is uh, they're they're well within their rights to really stick the, the the boot in at this stage is the other clubs in the Premiership who maybe haven't been exposed to uh, European rugby because they've been feeling under massive pressure because Saracens have been runaway leaders in in the in the Premiership. Um, and off the back of that, you kind of say, well, there's one way of looking at this. We say, look, we lose this Saracens team who've been so great for for a very long time. But also we say, well, actually, hang on. There's probably, you know, the, the English clubs will be competing on a more even front uh, on the league side of things. Do they then have the ability uh, to maybe redistribute some of, or maybe put a bit more focus on the European competition because there's one stop, one, there's one less place in the top, whatever, six for their qualifiers, isn't it? And mm. um, that is now essentially up for grabs. Um, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think it'll be a big loss. I think you'd like to see the best teams in the competition. I think Leinster were, while they were beaten by a better team last year, still pretty close. Uh, a few moments could have possibly changed it. I think it was only moments, but uh, we won't delve into that any further. But I, I do think it is a loss, and I, I wonder where these other players get distributed to. And we do know that Saracens placed a big focus on the European competition, Will the other clubs now, um, will they now maybe maybe focus a little bit more on it? We don't know. And that's a worry because uh, I think the competition is under a little bit of pressure. Anyway, I think we're both in agreement on that one, Will, are we? Yeah, no, definitely. Like if you were a player in that squad, one of the internationals, say like an Owen Farrell or an Atoje or Vunapola, mm. would you would you stay at the club or would you leave? Uh, it's a difficult question to answer, actually. Mm. I'm kind of torn. I think some of the players who maybe come into the environment later... Um, Elliot Daly must be like, oh, what, what have oh, I signed what up What have to? I done, yeah. Um, those players, I think, would probably leave. I think Owen Farrell and Atoje, uh, I don't think their finances would be uh, affected by it. Um, but I'd certainly think that there'd be, you know, if they don't, the makeup of the team will be very, and if the owners stay around, I think, They'll, they'll probably stay. I think they definitely will stay, actually, if the owners stay. But if there's, uh, you know, a few of those guys leave, um, you know, where does that leave the club in terms of actually being able to, you know, uh, you know, refocus, be able to hang on to players and then deliver when they get up into the premiership on what they've built already? Mm. Um, so, like, it's a really, it's a troubling, like, the club is in is in dire straits now. Like, I mean, they really need to get, you know, so they've, they've decided they're doing this. That's fine. But you need to really get the plan out very, very quickly about what you're going to roll out to try and, um, I think, well, I think withstand this kind of catastrophe in the short term, but then again, sell to some of the players you want to keep and build around for the medium term about how you're going to get the club back up and how you're going to actually get back to where you should be. So it's a huge challenge for them, Will. And it's a funny kind of season for them now in the sense that like they're, they're down, so they have however many premiership matches left, you know, 10, 12, they're irrelevant now. Um, yet they're in the quarterfinal of the European Cup. They're the defending it's champions. For Lancer, they're playing it? Leinster. It couldn't be worse. Uh, it's set up to be an absolute cracker yeah, in the Aviva Stadium because yeah. you have all these subplots. Would have been a great game regardless. But now you have this kind of kind of the last hurrah for this Saracens team, one of the great club teams we've seen, and Leinster at home. Like it, it makes for a fascinating it's game. It's a disaster. It's an unmitigated disaster <laughs> for Leinster. Like we all thought that this was going to be, if Saracens got through the pool stages, that they'd be a nightmare for whoever they came up against because essentially they've got three games and they're going to be out of the Premiership. Uh, not relegated until obviously this week we, we found that out. But 
it was always going to be a disaster fixture for whoever got them. And Leinster, you know, it looked like it was playing that, that you know, playing out that way. Um, you know, when all the permutations were discussed, um, I suppose last week, that that eighth spot <laughs> probably was going to be Saracens. So, um, and they made it tricky for themselves down to fourteen. You know, <laughs> against a very good wrestling team. So, uh, yeah, look, it's the three games to play now, as far as I can see, and, and I would. I might possibly have them as the favourites at this point because really? I might have them as favourites. I'm really torn. I think Leinster have been the standout performers, but when now the only thing is Vunapolo, obviously, the broken arm is a, has that is a huge loss for them, but they're still a bloody great team. And they won't, most of those guys played in the English team that beat Ireland in, in the Aviva. They won't have, they won't fear coming to the, to the Aviva. It's not like other teams who will get, a, I think, a bit awestruck by coming to the Aviva, playing Leinster there, having a massive crowd that they're not used to playing in. You know, they could have some of their internationals who be used to, but they'll have, maybe most of them will have, oh, half, call it eight or seven, seven right out of the team, roughly about half of it will probably have never played in a stadium like it under that kind of pressure. Mm. And inevitably, three or four of them fold and have a bad day and Leinster walk away comfortable winners. That won't happen against Saracens. Is it not a, maybe a better time to get Saracens now in the quarters when you're kind of coming off a of Six Nations versus maybe in the final if they were to play on the opposite sides of the draw when Saracens have a bit more time to build in and in a neutral venue? I think it couldn't be a better play, a better time for Saracens to okay. play Leinster. I think Leinster will be more exposed to the interna- to, to Six Nations even than Saracens who are who have, who'll have lots of guys in but Leinster are way more exposed there. Um, they'll have uh, they'll have probably the team coming together they'll probably have a few injuries usually two or three. Um, you know, will that be the key guys? We don't know. Uh, but generally, there are a few key guys that are missing. They have a deep squad, but that'll still that'll still impact you. The team coming together for after a longer period away, uh, you know, it's more difficult to get your hands on the international players for Leinster during the period than it is for Saracens. Those games are irrelevant, but they might still get them into the club just regardless and, and have them playing rugby. We'll wait and see how that one plays mm. out. So, um, you know, longer apart, more people involved, um, that's huge challenges for Leinster yeah. and uh, again Saracens this is their only competition that they have going for them now Leinster's focus is generally towards this anyway so is there a huge difference I just feel like it's back against the wall it's as you say the last chance probably of this team or this group of men together to, to do something special no, I'd, I'd be bloody worried about it and it looks like you know Vunapola could be back at that stage anyway if it's a mm. broken arm that can be like six to eight weeks um, so that mightn't then he'd be at a rugby practice but um, I don't know. It's I think it's all playing out quite well for Saracens in this from from this perspective and just in terms of one last push. Yeah, and in terms of the last weekend, it was uh, it was a fairly low key you know weekend. Like Munster were eliminated before they kicked off. The Leinster Treviso game was was pretty average. Uh, fair Ulster Bath wasn't great either. Comic Montpellier was exciting, but uh, I was watching Saracens Ross, so I didn't even <laughs> see it. Uh, well, you know, it was like, what did you make of the final weekend of Europe? Yeah, it was a bit, a little bit disappointing, but I think we knew from the second last weekend that Munster were kind of their fate was. Yeah, um, I would have done. Yeah, we knew that like they were, they were. It, it would have taken. I think you said there was two out of four permutations that needed to happen, yeah. um, along with that. Obviously, Saracens losing yeah. was a key one. Um, so yeah, look, that was a bit disappointing, but I think their season probably didn't. They didn't really deserve to go on. I think the first game of the competition in um, against Racing really sealed their fate for me. I thought it was always going to be an uphill battle from there, and um, I suppose it turned out to be that. And I think they're still finding their feet under the new coaches. They haven't fully bedded that in, so uh, probably not the worst thing for them to be out of the competition. I think, even though it's very disappointing for them at this point, I think the league seems like something that's probably more attainable. 
Um, Ulster, I thought a solid. I mean, look, it was you know closer than they would have wanted, but um, you one know. howler from Stockdale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had a few. Like he's he's look, he's a bit to go yet. I think in my eyes to be considered a great player, but um, I think that's probably. I think everyone would probably agree with that statement. Um, but. Um, we hope he keeps building. He's got all the attributes to be an, an all-time great, I think, in an Irish jersey. So he needs to cut those ones out. Like, I mean, the Leinster one and this one, you know, they're, this one was more forgivable. I just think he was a little bit late into position. Um, he just, uh, you know, if you're playing fullback, you just can't allow that to happen. He should be a great fullback because he's got a nice kicking game as well. He's so big. Um, and he's got nice footwork for a big guy, so he shouldn't really be getting caught out. But that, that's poor reading of the game. Like, Rob Carney would never would, would be would be there for that one. And this is proof that Jacob Stockdale cannot predict where the ball is going to bounce. <laughs> yeah, remember that yeah. garbage? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, look, you can't listen to people talking that rubbish. Like, um, God, it absolutely drives me mental when you hear that rubbish. Like, um, yeah, anyway, we know that's not, yeah. that, that's not true then. It's confirmed. But look, uh, again... Um, very good for them to get through and they'll be dangerous for whoever they come Ulster against. Ulster Toulouse in the um, quarterfinal, Ulster away to Toulouse. Yeah, like I, I think they'll be dangerous for whoever they come up against. That was always going to be the case once we knew they they probably were looking like they were getting through, um, you know, having beaten Quinns in, in the back-to-back um, and then obviously getting the win uh, to, to Claremont, at home to Claremont. It looked like they were probably going to get through at that point, you know. So um, I think lots of teams would be looking at them thinking, oh, I'm not sure I'd like them. Mm. The pack is a lot in a, in a way better place. They have lots of threat behind the scrum. Um and yes, you'll get them away from home, which has proved to be that's still a, like the last kind of frontier for for Ulster for me. I think they just you like you definitely like I think away to to in the Kingspan. You're saying, Jesus, absolute nightmare. I think stuff. They're like twenty unbeaten there, or something like that. They're brilliant there, yeah. and that's great. You do need to create kind of that that base where you because they had lost that for a couple of years. Like you know, they they shipped yeah. a lot of defeats there in Europe and stuff. So. Yeah, they had will, and the, but the quality wasn't really there either. I think the quality is there now, so you'd expect them to be able to create a good atmosphere there and and make it a tough place to come, which they've done. They've beaten the, like lots of the best teams consistently up there uh, over the last couple of years. So. Um, you know the good thing for from from Toulouse's perspective is that um, you know once they lost away to Claremont, they were always going to have an away fixture, which is a challenge for them. But I think uh, the group are they look tight knit. Um, they've got a great coaching staff. Uh, Jared Payne, you hear rave reviews about the defence, and it looks like he has improved that markedly to me. Um, still room to to go on it, but definitely improved hugely. And Dan McFarland has done a superb job. Like, just a superb job up there. So, um, I'm excited to see if they can lift their game. Uh, I think it might be a step too far, but I, I really am hoping that they could do something special away from home because I think that's the next level for them. Yeah, it's funny. I saw uh, someone made a graphic that I saw on social media. I can't remember who made it, but it was kind of just showing uh, how each of the seedings has done in the history of the European Cup and only two teams with away quarterfinals have ever gone on to win the tournament Munster that hasn't in improved 2008 since, Jesus, and yeah. Leinster in 2009 are the only two teams to head an away quarterfinal and then go on to win the tournament it shows how difficult it is even winning an away quarterfinal but to go on and win it even after that you know, and that was an absolute scraper against Quinns, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the Munster one? Oh, they hammered Gloucester the year previous. Oh God, they stuffed them. Sorry, yeah. they yeah. did they beat them? Oh, anyway, we're not getting into that. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. Sorry, just trying to uh, you piqued my interest there. I can't remember because Cowan's got a really good try. They had a the few end. great ones, didn't they, against Gloucester in a mm. row, didn't they? But yeah. Um, yeah, sorry to get back to actually what we're talking about. Uh, it's a huge ask. Um, I didn't realise it was that big an ask Jeez, yeah. I, like, I remember the stats being like that for like even when I was maybe my last couple of years playing I yeah. remember the stats were like Jeez, I can't believe it hasn't changed yeah I think it's like a 75% you know win ratio for the home teams in the quarter final 
Is well, it? there's only two who have actually won the tournament. Oh, who've actually won the tournament. Oh, yeah. sorry, cheese well, because that's what I was yeah. saying. I think I think the stats when I was playing was something like that. It was like yeah. very like there's only one or two had won a yeah. quarter final. Actually, only Munster and Leinster have won the tournament and gone on to yeah. win it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. So it's seventy five percent. Look, yeah. sorry. So that's that's doable. Okay, yeah. that's sorry. Jeez, oh, I was thinking that was amazing. That was <laughs> two an amazing error. stat. No, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> um, but um, well, look, that's good. So like they, they're that's geez, that's better because I was actually pa- I was saying, geez, I, I can't that's believe impossible. I can't yeah. no, I can't believe I was trying to think back then. Geez, that's <laughs> incre- I, I don't I, that's I have trust in your stats. Yeah. Um, Monster beat Edinburgh last year. I did well. I didn't say that you misheard. No, me. no, no. I misheard. Yeah. Sorry, I completely misheard you. Sorry, yeah. no. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, look, that, that's a real tough ask. I think for yeah. for for. Um, for Ulster but I think Toulouse won't be particularly happy that they've come up against them like you have a number of guys there who can create go forward momentum for them in, in Kutsia, um and, and Henderson uh, consistently I think the two props are good they'll be able to withstand the pressure um, of, of a French scrum you know they're experienced they're both internationals um, and uh, you know you've got the likes of a Jordy Murphy there who's a, who's a competitor you know and, uh, and who, who's who's He's just difficult to come up, and he's a good rugby player. Like the sort of the pack is, and I always look at that when I'm looking at away fixtures. Well, mm. look at what the pack, what the pack is like. So, I'll be very excited to see if, if Ulster can come together and produce something there. Could have Colby versus Stockdale as well, lining up opposite each other. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Look, I'd say Colby. You'd be worse. You'd be more worried marking Colby than you would be uh, Big Jacob. But he's definitely he's capable of a big res- of, of a, and he could impose himself physically on Col- Colby. Um, I haven't seen anyone really do it. Like massively yet, but he's a huge man, Stockdale. So yeah. um, he'll have a few areas that he'll worry about him, but he'll have a few areas that he might be able to impose himself on there as well. You know, and Stuart McCluskey another good game at the weekend, and he's one player who was actually called into the Ireland squad. Uh, yeah, I was delighted to see sure, that. Yeah, That's probably on. Uh, like, look, I know Bundy Key had a great game on the weekend. He got man of the match, I think, um, for Connacht. But uh, McCluskey's been so consistent for so long. I know there's parts of his game that maybe they feel might be a little bit loose. Um, you know, you're probably thinking of that overlap against Claremont that you just have to put guys away. I think you three or four guys outside him. He chose yeah. to take contact against Fritz. He's a few of those moments he that does. you could just tidy well, up a little I, bit. I can't remember if it was on this podcast I said it or if I was just saying it to someone off air or to a friend or whatever, but I feel like there's moments like that that McCluskey has that like a lot of centers have, but people just hammer McCluskey for them more so than they Maybe, would. Maybe, no, I, I could be like, right on that. And that yeah. game against England, his debut, uh, when he threw like two loose offloads maybe, yeah. and people are talking about it three, four years later, like as if yeah, none yeah. of the other centers ever make mistakes or throw loose offloads. I just think, it, I just think he's, he's held to a standard that like no other center is held to almost. Yeah, no, his I, mistakes I are like fixated on upon his critics. Yeah. And like, I feel like when you watch the other centers play, you know, Gary Ringrose butchered an overlap in the, in the Champions Cup final. final. Yeah. Now, he did get hammered for that as well, to be fair. He got hammered for it. But um, I just feel like McCluskey maybe gets... You know, people are just a little too harsh when they're criticising him. Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like maybe... I, I think the other guys are kind of the incumbents that have been there for so yeah. long. Like, you it's have a very to think about... Now, now remember, Henshaw got into. absolutely crucified for the, the New Zealand game. Um, you know, and I know... like he, Now, that was very unusual for him. Um... But, you know, lots of other guys have got, like, Bundy Aki has had a few where people have kind of criticised him here and there as well. Not as much, I don't think, but the other guys, um, you know, look, it's just a a pressure situation. Uh, You know, all your, if you're not playing well in the centre, just really, like, because most of, like, a lot of the key tackling is done there, a lot of the key passing is done there, you know, where you're breaking down teams, where you're the kind of key guy making the break. Um, So it's high pressure, you know, so maybe it's just you're more the focus, Will, in in, in that circumstance. But I do get the point because I do feel like. Now, look, what I would say is. 
Ulster have been poor for quite a while and being the best player in Ulster hasn't necessarily been, doesn't necessarily mean you've been the best player out of the other yeah. positions in the other provinces. But every time I see Stu McCluskey play, I just like everything about him. I think he's very, very physical. He's had lots of good turnovers as well. He's a, he's a, he's a turnover threat. Um, I like that he brings something a little bit different and he will try things. The, the, the issue for him is that guys like Gary Ringrose has been outstanding. I know he's not directly competing with him. Yeah. But Hen so was Henshaw for, for a sure. very long time. And Joe loved him. Um, and there's lots to like about Henshaw as well. He's very, very consistent. He's very robust. Um, and he's been brilliant for Ireland. Um, Bundy Aki is a guy I think is, is an excellent rugby player as well. So he is up against high yeah, quality no, opposition. And it is it is the difficult. toughest area in the team to break and into. And Farrell has been really yeah, good for is. Munster, you know, when he's played. So it, it, it's a difficult it's one for him. It's more so the criticism of that game against England uh, because, like, to throw someone in for their debut in Twickenham is a huge ask. And, yeah. like, he, he played okay. He didn't play terribly in, like, you know, that was four years ago. I think he needs to... He he deserve, needs, people need to move on from deserve, that, but yeah. you're still coming up with reasons yeah. why you would pick him over guys who've, who are kind of key guys. Like, yeah. Leinster's midfield has been really... Like, I mean, uh, Henshaw, we don't talk about how good an acquisition that was. It was outstanding. It was an outstanding bit of business, and he was brilliant for Connacht before. Um, like, you see the impact it had when he moves to Leinster, and the difference, I thought, the difference from Leinster the year before and when Henshaw came was their defence, and ultimately, you know, he had a huge impact on Leinster and a huge impact on Connacht, on leaving Connacht, even though, um, you know, they, they brought in a good replacement there. He, it had a massive impact bringing him out of the team. I, I, I wouldn't understate how good Henshaw is to me personally I think he's, he's a superb player he's a phenomenal player in terms of form at the moment I think McCluskey's you'd have to say McCluskey deserves to be starting 12 yeah. I, I, sorry yeah. I can't argue with anything you're saying Will I just feel like you're always going to have to come up with something and McCluskey's been pretty good for quite a while yeah. so it's probably that's why people are bringing it up to justify the selection of a person who's been very consistent for a very long time you have to you're clutching at straws, yeah. but that's what you're bringing up. And if you're looking at the squad, I, you know, in general, the Andy Farrell pick because obviously I know it was like the guts of a week ago, but we haven't chatted about it. Um, I guess Reese Ruddock was probably the most surprising omission of the month. I thought that was an amazing omission. Mm. Incredible. I just thought that was a stinker. What do you think? The I thought it was a complete cop out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think he's the easy guy to drop. Is he? Well, I don't know. I don't. I haven't heard a huge amount of uh, like I was. I just thought it was an incredible decision. Yeah. He's, he was he was actually one of our only good players um, out in the World Cup. He was been, he's been excellent for Leinster for a very long period of time, um, and even though he's had a few injuries here or there, doesn't get picked every week. Uh, maybe in Leinster because of maybe they're, they're rotating. He's always picked for the big games when he's fit. Always, he's a captain, so he's a leader in there as well. Um, I just don't get it, Will. Can you, sorry, like maybe, am I biased or can you, can you well, explain no, I, to me, I, I sorry, was, I was, I, do I you was have shocked. a different view? I was very surprised he wasn't in the squad. As you said, he was really good at the World Cup when he played. He's been very good since he's come back as well. You know, he had a big performance uh, away to Leon in one of the close games Leinster have played. You know, they've, they've he's thumped, high quality character they've, they've with a lot of guys. Oh yeah, no, that like He's like, absolutely loved by the other players. I guess, you know, coaches. He was kind of squeezed out, I guess, in the end. You know, Peter O'Mahony and Jack O'Donoghue both got, got in. Jack O'Donoghue's had a really good season. Peter O'Mahony has not been as good as Reece Rourke this season, but he's a big presence in the in the, in the squad as well. Yeah. So, you know, he kind of got squeezed out a bit. You know, Max Deegan and Caelan Dart, you know, Max Deegan can co cover six as well. You know, Andy Farrell opted for, for those. But it's very tough. I don't know what more Rudder could have done to get in the squad. Um yeah. Like I yeah, if you're him now, it must be a very tough blow to take. Like you're you're you know, he's turning thirty this year. Uh, and he gets dropped from the first Six Nations squad despite playing really well. Um, I don't get it, man. It, it's really odd. Look, look, we come back to a, a, a place where we're kind of saying to ourselves, like, 
people see the game differently. Um, I find that one really hard to look at and and understand. Um, but look, it just shows you like some people like oh, you just he he could focus in on a few small parts of a game, uh, and at the end of the day, like I, that's obviously what's cost him. There's no way like I I just don't see how uh, it baffles me. But they're obviously looking at something saying we think these guys are better at mm. doing this, and we think this is more important to the team. Uh, but I find it astonishing. Yeah, well, it's like, yeah, a number of senior players not there. Obviously, the other ones had been forecasted because they weren't in that stock take. You know, your Sean Cronin, Rob Kearney, Jordy Murphy, none of them. Yeah, the Sean Cronin was a bit unusual to me. Yeah, well, after not being selected, and not Scannell as well, another one yeah. from the World Cup squad who, who wasn't in. I think Scannell maybe has had a bit more of a mixed season so far. Mm. Uh, I think Cronin probably had that injury. It sounds like that might have impacted that. But he's actually been very good for Leinster since he's come on. I know Keller has been outstanding, but... Sean Cronin's been very good as well mm. uh, since you know when, when he's played. Um, so I, I find that one a little bit hard to understand as well, to be honest. Um, yeah. He'd still be your best impact player, I think, um, even if you don't see him starting. I thought that was really weird. So uh, they were the three that really stood out to me. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Well, what did you think of the Cronin one? Well, I knew he wasn't. I, well, I didn't know. I suspected he wasn't going to be involved. So yeah. He, yeah. he, as I said, the age profile, 33. I can see why he want like... There's some people that I guess he's just decided to move on from. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. Uh, even already. But like if Cronin goes on... To but Dev is in, like Sexton's yeah. in. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. Uh, sorry, yeah. that was an unusual one, you know? Yeah, no, he's... Cause he, uh, he's but he, since he's come back from the neck injury, he has been quite effective. Um, like Callagher missed six matches in a row with that hand injury. It looked like it was poor timing, but he, he still kind of got in off the back, I guess, of his early season performances. Um, I thought it was an interesting squad. Like he... he he was like kind of he was loyal to some veterans, cut other veterans out, hmm. brought in some young players. That other young, I just thought I thought it was an interesting squad. I'm interested to see what the starting team is that comes out of that squad because there's a lot of different ways he can go with it. Yeah, you know he could go with like a predominantly youth, like he could potentially pick Doris Deegan and Van der Fleer in the back row. He could yeah. go you know really young or he you know he could start O'Mahony or he could go standard at eight again. Like there's a lot of different ways he could go. Conor Murray nine, John Cooney nine. There's a lot of different ways he could go with it. What do you think about the nine thing? I think Are John you? Cooney deserves a start. Yeah, yeah. I don't argue with that. Yeah, though. like I, I, I can see. But actually, Murray's been very sharp, though. No, he has been. Weeks. He has been good. But did he get man of the match? And uh, I feel he got man of the match the last day as well against the Ospreys. I think he did. No, it doesn't matter. Doesn't, like, who cares about that? I, I, I didn't spend much time worrying <laughs> about the Munster Ospreys game. Yeah, Jesus, Ospreys um, are in dire straits. Um, but um, yeah, well, like so. Yeah, but uh, look, I get that one. I'd be, I'd be that. That's a really big decision. Yeah, and Johnny Saxon captain, you, you kind of... I like that one. Yeah. yeah, I think he's still our best player. I think um, he's very well respected. I think if he's fit, he's definitely selected. I think that's kind of a key thing for, for captaincy. You have to be picked on, on ability, first of all. Like I, I always think it's a, it's a, you're in a danger, you're playing a very dangerous game when you're relying on someone's... This, it's hard to quantify leadership, you know, and at what point do you say, well, this person is... He's not a better player than the than the other guy he's competing with, but he's a better leader. Like I don't know how do you how do you make up the difference with just leadership? Something that you can't touch or feel or quantify. Yeah, that's pretty hard. Um, so um, yeah, I think I like that because I think he's definitely in the team if he's fit and he's our best player. I guess there's still people kind of raising the point about his kind of interactions with referees, which has always been kind of under the focus because he can be yeah. a fiery character and he's had a couple of, you know, kind of. 
interactions with referees that aren't good for a, from a captaincy point of view, yeah. like the one in Australia a few years ago, it's like, oh, I know you don't like me, but you have to talk to me. Like, that's definitely part of his game that he needs to work on. Yeah, and I'm sure he will. Like, John, Johnny's always looking for edges. He's always looking to uh, to be a competitor. I think he, if, if he, you know, he'll have to look at that and, and say, well, I think, and I think he can play that week by week because different, different referees will have different temperaments they'll have different ways of dealing with you you'll have different relationships as a captain you, you end up kind of developing these things so um, I would be surprised if Johnny doesn't approach that now as full time captain with the same kind of um, I suppose intense gaze as he ha- that he has on the rest of his game you know because he does look at the rest of his game um, very closely um, and I do think that yeah I would agree with you I think that's an area he definitely could improve and I think he will improve because yeah. um you know, it'll be in the interest of the team and he wants to get the best results for the team. Every every interaction, is, McCall was obviously the standout guy for that. He just seemed to have great, he knew exactly when to shut up, uh, knew exactly when to kind of engage and he always engaged very well. It was almost kind of questioning, you know, posing the questions to the referee, you know, should, you know, he just, I thought he had a really nice way of dealing with the referee and he pulled him up from time to time as well. Um but usually, when it's funny because usually when things are going well and they usually are going well for the All Blacks, he was very good at just leaving the ref make the make the decisions. I thought he was always good at just one or two words in the key time, never badgered the ref. So mm. I think Johnny would look at that and say, yeah, maybe he'll maybe he'll ring up Drico himself and Drico very close, ask him about it for for a bit of feedback on it. That might be something that's useful. Or Paulie Paul O'Connell was always excellent with the referees. I thought as well. Yeah. So there's loads of people who he's very close with that he can lean on for a bit of advice on that. And in terms of his journey to, to becoming Ireland captain, like, you know, you've known him for so long, you played against mm. him when you were in school, you know, you were in Leinster together from early early days. Like, is it is it kind of strange to see, in a way, is it a bit odd to see him as the, yeah. the Ireland captain now? No, it's not odd. So no, I think where we are now, it's probably been a coming thing for the yeah. last couple of years anyway. But when you think um, back to the start. Th- yeah, when I think yeah. back to the start, sorry to, to answer you directly. Sorry, yeah. Will, you're on staying on point. I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It's because... Uh, I suppose he had a few years where he was, wasn't in very good shape uh, because he didn't know if, if rugby was going to be the route for him. I think you could always see that the quality was there. Um, but I can't say I ever saw him getting to, to, to where he is now. I just didn't know if that was... I didn't know if he actually... like he. I think he always had belief in himself on the pitch. Um... But I think off the pitch, maybe he was, he's kind of, he's a smart guy. Um, you know, he probably, he'd probably be a success at anything he's doing, so long as he didn't lose his temper too much at it. <laughs> um, I think he'd probably be a success at anything he does. He's a high quality guy. So I think there was probably a period where he wasn't sure if rugby was going to provide a path for him. Um, but I think once he did hone in on that and he got the opportunities, I always remember having a very interesting conversation with him back in. Jesus would have been in Ireland camp and maybe he was on the peripheries and kind of called in and we were just having a discussion about, I don't know, how you get in. And I always, I remember saying to him, I said, I was in the team at the time and Felipe was still there and I said, like, the key part for him was always going to be the goal kicking. You know, you could see at that point he'd got the running game sorted out. His passing was really top quality. Worked very well with um, with uh, Noxy, D- David Knox. Um, very close relationship with him and really flourished under him, actually. He always speaks really highly of him. But I felt like the kicking was the last kind of thing for him. I always, I remember saying it to lots of like young guys like Madigan and that. I said, like, the key, if you kick well, it's really hard to leave you out of the team. And I thought the percentages... It definitely, he obviously would have realised this himself, but I always remember that was the kind of key thing that I said to him. I said, like, look, like, if you want to get ahead of him, you've got to be kicking, like, kind of above 80, 80 to 85%. Um, I think we were actually in, I remember, I remember it was in Dalky, maybe just below, we were in, it might have been the Kleine Castle days. Um, 
and we were maybe having a coffee or something and I just we were having a discussion about it and he might have asked me I think or maybe I just offered my opinion <laughs> like I sometimes do um but yeah, it has been amazing to see his uh, how he's progressed, you know. But he's really immersed himself in it. I think lots of people will know, you know, um, the things they see and they see how intense he is and what a competitor he is. But I think he really lives the life. Um, he does things well. It's nice to have a sports person who's kind of fairly wholesome. You know, he does the family thing well. Um, and, uh, you know, he's he's done it the right way. So it's, it is great to see someone getting the results um, and getting the great honour of being Irish captain because I think he's put in the work. Yeah. Um, and that's what you always like to see, Will, isn't it? Like, uh, you know, and I think we can say that about lots of our... I think we've done that very well. Like, as much as I thought, you know, Rory Best maybe shouldn't have been in the team the last couple of years, he was an outstanding captain and he worked really, really hard. He's always done it the right way. Family man. Uh, you look at lots of other sports and, you know, maybe the right people aren't in, in, in the top job in, the, in in different teams. I think, you know, from... The last couple, particularly, you know, uh, Paul O'Connell as well, Brian O'Driscoll, like all great characters and great players. So um, Johnny follows, he falls into into that category for me and I think for lots of other people. And definitely within the team, he'll have the respect. So uh, very exciting. I can't say I would have seen it at the start <laughs> from, in a circular way back to the question, but um, it is great to see along the journey and it's not that surprising uh, given the last couple of years. Yeah, one other interesting element of the squad was that they announced like four development players to be in there oh. as well, like you know Will Connors, uh, Ryan Baird, Harry Byrne, and Robert Balakoon, which I guess you know is something that has been done in the past. Like you know, I know we've had guests on who said that they were brought in when they were young players, you know, unofficially. But it's like they're actually naming them now. Like how beneficial do you think it is to those guys to get in, you know, and just even experience for Ireland campus as well? Oh, it's brilliant! Like you learn so much, um, you know, even because like in 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 Leinster in the in the provinces you go home to your own home whereas there you really get to see how the top guys do it mm. all the time up until they're asleep you know like in a way so you, no seriously and like you might even be rooming one of them so you'll see how strict they are um, in terms of their you know how they sleep but you'll see how good they are during the day like some people are just so on top of the dietary stuff mm. some people you'll see the extra time that the, that the, the better players will do on, on the um, you know on the PCs um, you know, in terms or of doing the, or sorry, the the laptops. Right? Oh, sorry, like, sorry the the personal computers, yeah, or whatever God. they are, the They're laptops. Sorry, such an old them. reference that I honestly didn't even know what it was. Well, uh, sorry, okay, I'm, well, I actually have PCs and work. It's not that much of an old reference. PC, uh, it's laptops in there, but PCs are way better anyway. I thought it was like a per, you know personal. So I thought it was a new rugby jargon that no, I wasn't. No, no, it's the, whatever. So they actually have laptops because they got to have the things portable yeah. anyway for when they're moving moving venues for matches away from home. Their Windows ninety five PC. So I man, most work. Places are PCs. No, I wouldn't say that. Sorry, but anyway, they're, they're you know see how good and how diligent most of the top players are on that. How well they get into the detail, how much they immerse themselves into watching every single training session back, watching who they're competing against next week. Um, I think you'll get you know obviously these guys are very experienced coaches. You don't get to be an international coach without having done lots of work, or without being an outstanding kind of rugby intellect. So they'll learn loads of different things. Um, coming into the camp and I think it makes you really appreciate what you need to do to get to the next level so I think it's a great idea they've been doing it for a long time making it official does it really matter not sure it does it's more important that they're actually exposing these well, people it's in good there. for I think just in terms of interest in the sport it's good I think for the fans to know who who they think or who the yeah the Irish coaches are keeping an eye on or who they who they like 
Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I yeah. think it's interesting. Yeah. I don't know if it's that important because yeah. what's more, more important that you get these guys through, like the fanfare around it, it's yeah, it's interesting for us, but for everyone else, yeah. for, like for, for players who are actually getting selected, it's more important you get ex you get selected and exposed. Do you remember anyone who came in like kind of in that capacity when you were playing that really, you know, made their mark or really impressed you when they were kind of a young player or was you know, as kind of an unheralded guy? Um I if you don't, we can just move no. I, 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 do you know, I thought actually was always brilliant. The higher up the levels they got was Owen O'Malley. He was oh, he had a great, he was very calm. He had lo he had a lovely skill set. I thought he did really well. Um, kind of when he stepped up the levels, uh, particularly in international camps. Um, I always thought, and now Johnny was an older player than me, but I always thought he was brilliant when he stepped up as well. Uh, he looked like he was kind of born to do it and he had all the skills. Like, I think the key thing for people coming up is having all the skills and the knowledge. Um, you're not, you know, if you have, some people have it and some people don't. Some people have to develop that. It takes a little bit of a longer learning curve. Um, but you can kind of see the students of the game and the people who are just calm and who will still do the same things. They kind of recognize that the same things are still important. You just have less time to do them. And if your skill set and your, and your technique is good, Oftentimes, the delivery just it's it transfer the skills are really transferable all the way up the levels, and those people usually do better. Um, there are two guys in the backs that probably well, stood out. Sexton was bollocking people from the start, though, wasn't he? Didn't he? I think he was. Yeah, yeah. Look, but well, he had the belief once he yeah. went up, but he was also very good. Like his skills, his passing is really something that's very unheralded as an, as um, as a standout. I think skill that he has above other people. He's way better at that than lots of people, and his decision making to back up the technique is outstanding. Mm. It's there. If I was to pick two things about Johnny that I think are the best things about his game, they're the two things. I think he's so so good at that. It's so rare that he makes a handling error, and so rare that he actually picks a wrong person. Um, you know, because even if the person doesn't go through the hole. You know, oftentimes you just have to pick the, the the percentage play, and you got to sense. Even if they go backwards, sometimes that's what the quarterback has to do. You have to send someone into a situation where they're going to get milled, and you're going to go backwards. You've just got to take the hit and move on. Um, I think he does that stuff. That's a standout skill. That's his best skill to me, having played with him hmm. actually. And do you remember your first Ireland camp? I do, I do. That was the, jeez, uh, uh, the first one. Um, yeah, Kalini Castle days. Yeah, jeez, it was. Um, Would you've been what eighteen? Nice. Yeah, I was. Yeah, geez, was I still eighteen? Maybe just turned. Um, God, actually, I don't remember if I was eight. I was just either eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, it was a huge learning curve. Like I was a bit all over the place, as I just probably still am. <laughs> um, but God, it was amazing to play with guys who were like. I always remember the the people who always stood out to me were. Um, I remember David Wallace. Like what an athlete! I remember just thinking, wow. Like if he. If he runs into me now, I never thought. Sorry, I never thought it, but I always thought. Uh, like I was in massive belief in myself, but I, I remember thinking, wow, like he's a fully grown man. That guy, like he yeah. is everything about him. Like his, he just was the perfect athlete. Do you know if you could literally go? Do you know when you see in like a movie when they're making someone like uh, I don't know, like a robot or something? <laughs> David Wallace was that, and he was so powerful and quick. Um, but I do remember having lots of joy with the footwork and things like that. I always, do you know who else stood out to me as well? Uh, Dennis Leamy. 
great athlete in super shape, but his hands, his ability, he had gigantic hands. He, but it, yeah, sorry, they were huge. They were but he gigantic. had really nice hands. His yeah. skills were unbelievable up close. And lots of people will probably remember him kicking and stuff like that. But geez, his handling ability, like he was unbelievable. It, it's funny when you say you have a lot of joy with the footwork. Because I mean, you were just gone out. I like, went, went really people. well. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it went really well for me. Like I remember having lots of drills, um, and you know that was my obviously standout ability. Probably would have been my footwork. I'd say definitely my footwork. But that transferred all the way up. Now I ran up my own hole a little bit as well. <laughs> but um, people still, I, I was like, I remember thinking, wow, I'm I'm catching out like top class, like like some of the best players in the world, considered best players in the world, fairly consistently. Where and I know one on one, but I know one on one, I was like, I remember thinking, yeah. yeah, like I'm like I'm getting the better of these guys, so I know I can. This is, and I'm only going to get better. I knew I was only going to get better. Yeah. But they were already there, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm kind of making a, you know. Making a show with some of these people, this is great. So I got, got it gave me huge confidence yeah. in this part of my game. So I just knew that I had to get the other parts right, um, which took a while. But um, they were kind of the memories that kind of stood out, I suppose. Who were your early roommates with Ireland or like? Jeez, uh, actually, I don't really know. Well, maybe it was ooh, was Jamie, maybe here or there. Uh, maybe Shaggy here or there as well. Um, but no, nothing really that consistent. Yeah. Uh, maybe Ferris here or there as well. Yeah, so was, you know, maybe the newer guys. Yeah. yeah, no, I didn't really have any. Uh, not no one actually sticks out. And they were quite good, I think, at that point, especially with a younger guy. Maybe putting putting you in with maybe more experienced players as well here and there, just to maybe teach you the ropes. Not not sure if that was the case, but that I remember seeing and I remember thinking that way. Um, and week to week, it could change per per games. They were probably more indicative of the team actually, of who was going to be in the squad or who was out. Yeah. You could kind of tell from the rooming list early with Eddie. Um, <laughs> if you had a big yeah, yeah. Or, and sometimes it worked the other way. So maybe I'm not completely, but I do remember mo for more often than not, you kind of had a good idea. If you were in the training team, or you know, if you were running with a big name, yeah. you're going to be able to probably had a good chance. Yeah, yeah so. Um, and you got, great times, great and you times. got your first Ireland cap, you know, pretty much right away. Uh, you know, was it that must have been a whirlwind to get capped so soon? Like after you don't, oh, we're not covering this crap again. Well, your people must be sick of hearing me talk about my career. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was it was great. To answer the question, yeah, it was it was an unbelievable experience. Yeah, and like we've like to come back to our current squad, we'll have lots of these guys, uh, you know, possibly having an opportunity. Um, to, to pull on an Ireland jersey for the first time are Deegans and Dorises and these guys who've been playing very well and it's it's a really exciting week for for your whole family um, and uh, I think that you know it'll be interesting to see if there are one or, two, one or two of those people and if they get the opportunity how well they play and how well they deal with the I suppose the the expectation and the pressure that comes with playing an international rugby match because it does go up a level. Um, like I'll always remember the first couple of minutes you play an international, it just is rapid. It just goes so so quickly. You can barely keep up with things. Like trying to remember it, you actually uh, the amount of players I've talked to who said they don't remember the first five or ten minutes, just no recollection. Had to go and watch the video back to go. Oh yeah, and then it all it kind of comes back to you. Um, so it will be interesting for those guys, um, and maybe. I wonder, it'll be interesting if they have kind of, I suppose, the same experiences that I had with it, you know, where it all just kind of was, it flew by. Like, I think maybe that the the, the gap between really top class interpros maybe has gotten a little bit, le you know, it's probably tightened up from when, even from when I started to, to international rugby. So maybe the step up isn't as much and maybe yeah. they perform better because they're playing and they're more, you know, more prepared for it. Um, but... Um, yeah, no, it's something that you work towards for a very long time. Like when you, like most people start playing rugby at maybe between five and eight, whatever it is. It's a huge journey to get to this point and it's all kind of 
it doesn't culminate if you keep if you keep getting caps, but it kind of does. It is the culmination of a lifetime's worth of work at this to this point. Um, so it's a huge, huge moment, and there's huge sacrifice that goes in behind the scenes from family members driving you everywhere and going to all the games and. Um, so it's a special week you just got to make sure you get the tickets out of the way early hmm. make sure you don't get burnt on the tickets you always get burnt your first couple of internationals all your mates think they're they're all free whereas you only get four free <laughs> I remember my first Six Nations cost me an arm and a leg um, because everyone I was giving out all the tickets and I was too afraid to ask you know people who are close friends for, for money who were all probably broke at the time in college and whatever but um yeah, it's it's a great couple of weeks. So hopefully we do see a few of those people getting starts. Yeah, well, interestingly, Andy Farrell will name his team next Tuesday. So we'll be able to talk about the first team selection on our bumper Six Nations preview this time next week. Can't wait, yeah. Um, but until then, I think we've covered pretty much everything on what is a disappointing down week with no rugby this Saturday. But we made it work anyway. We Luke. made it work. We made that thing bloody work. I hope people enjoy. Thanks um, for coming in, Feedback's been good. Yeah, thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. That's all we have time for this week on the left wing. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with our bumper Six Nations preview. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye.